Thank you, Natalie. Uh, a prayer worthy of applause, apparently. That's good. Um, I was thinking of uh, a, a friendship that I had a number of years ago. I was, it was my second year on staff as an university, and I was living in Galesburg, and we would travel to different colleges to encourage the Christian students that were meeting. Uh, this was in Illinois, and we were traveling to Western, and me and my my co-staff person would sit at a table at the beginning of the year. We were sitting to encourage Christians. They would meet in uh, larger groups of worship and then Bible studies on dorm, in dorms and so forth. And so there's a, a, a young man. It turns out his name was Fasil. And uh, he was from, I think, Pakistan, if I remember correctly. And uh, he was new to the uh, university and so we were sitting and we were talking and so forth. And he's like, so what, what are you representing at this table? And I said, well, we're a Christian organization in our varsity, so forth and so on, and just making connections. He's like, oh, well, I'm Muslim, so maybe I'm at the wrong table. And I said, well, yeah, maybe so. I mean, I, you probably wouldn't be interested in Bible studies and so forth. And he's like, no, I, I probably wouldn't be interested in that. I'm just trying to make new friendships and kind of connect with people. And so I, I did kind of say, well, you know, I wouldn't mind connecting, you know, just one-on-one -on -one if you were comfortable. I don't know if you're interested in learning about the person of Jesus. I'm always interested in learning about other faiths, and, and I, I wouldn't mind learning about Muhammad if you wanted to share a little bit about that. And he said, you know, okay, that sounds, that sounds like a good plan. And so once a week I would travel to... Uh, Western Illinois University, and, and Fasil and I would meet once a week, and we would discuss faith and stuff. He was just looking for, for friends, and it turned out that he wasn't a really committed Muslim and, and didn't know a whole lot about Muhammad, didn't know a whole lot about Christianity. But we would just share back and forth, and, and God struck up this friendship. And probably the high point of that year of meeting with Fasil was uh, my friend who was a university staff worker and he was working at Southern. He was, his dad was Pakistani. And he and his dad, he had lost his mom, but they were preparing a big meal, chicken curry and all sorts of spice and stuff. And they were having friends, uh, both Christian and Muslim, over for this meal. And he knew about my connection with Fasil. And so he said, why don't you invite him down? So we... we jumped in a car and traveled down to my friends, and we had this incredible, glorious meal. I was the only white guy, and my stomach was on fire to the delight of all of them, right? And I thought, boy, what an unexpected connection there. Here I was there as a staff person trying to connect with, with Christian students, and, and yet here was this Muslim from a Middle Eastern country, and over the year I realized that God was at work in his heart and mind before I even thought of that, and I, and I almost missed it. There's another uh, friend, I'll change her name, because it was a number of years ago, but here at the church, and we'll, we'll call her Helen. And uh, she came to our church I think invited by her parents, and, and so she asked for a meeting with me, and so we met in my office, and she just said, hey, I just, she was, she, she was super humorous, super thoughtful, but she said, listen, I, 
this, uh, this kind of Christian thing is brand new, is, is very different. I, just a little bit about my background she shared, Helen did. She said, you know, I, I, I uh, have kind of dabbled in a little bit of New Age and some Hinduism. I think she mentioned Buddhism in there. And then, she's, and then her, uh, her former life partner, she was uh, uh, into Judaism, so she studied that. And I was thinking, boy, if she says Islam, she's hit all the main religions in that, and she said, also, I'm gay, and I'm married. So, so, okay, and she says, but I'm intrigued. I, there's something going on here that, I'm going to check that out. And I just, I remember the moment in my office, it, my heart was filled with compassion for her. And I said, listen, I just, I want to be open and honest and authentic with you of who we are. So we, 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 are, we are committed that Jesus is the only way of salvation and life. So it's not going to be an ecumenical experience for you here. So I also want you to know our, our convic- convictions about same-sex attraction and, and relationships so that we believe God loves same-sex attracted people and, and wants the church to join him in loving them, but we don't believe he blesses same-sex relationships. I just, with Helen, I wanted... Just to be clear, that, that if she came here, I said, but, but Helen, if you're, if you're looking to follow Jesus, this is a great place for you to be. Love to invite you to, to journey with us and, and seek after the Lord. And she did. And she jumped into uh, Alpha, and she jumped into the women's Bible study, and I remember another time in my office where she called me and a former pastor here and just said, I'm ready. And we saw her give her life to Christ. It was a beautiful, it was a beautiful moment. I was thinking about these relationships primarily because they were unexpected relationships. You could call them strange or odd or different. I certainly didn't expect or see Uh, these folks to be the ones that would be journeying and following after Christ. And yet here they were. God was at work in the midst of their lives. And I would just imagine he was hoping that I wouldn't be quite so dense in those moments (laughs) and recognize his work. I think oftentimes the Christian church can miss it, right? That we're so busy sizing people up and figuring out what they believe or what they look like and all those kind of things. That we recognizing the differences between them and us. And quite possibly we can be dense in those moments and miss the work of God. We've been in a series called The Family Ties, and we've been looking at stories of Christmas related to family and what God is doing. We we recognize in Malachi, the last couple of verses, that God cares about families, that, that he loves families, that he's turning the hearts of mothers and fathers towards their children, towards children, back to the fathers and mothers, including unexpected ways in unexpected people and perhaps even 
surprising ways. This morning, you could turn to Matthew chapter 2 if you've brought your Bibles. We're going to look at what I would say of the Christmas story is the most unexpected and strange characters involved in the Christmas story. Anyone know who I'm talking about? The Magi. They weren't Jewish. We don't really know anything about them. We don't know where they're from specifically. We don't know how they ended up showing up in the story, how they knew about the ancient Jewish texts and the star that was there. They just appear. And I love when we have these texts and we read them together. One of my favorite questions to ask is, why did God preserve this story in the scriptures? What are some of the things that he's trying to communicate to us? I mean, this could have happened and just it left and we never knew the story. I think there's a lot of things that happened in the Christmas story that we don't know about. But he chose to keep this unique story in one of the Gospels. And what does he want to teach us about himself, about faith, about our lives? So let's read the story. We're Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And, and I just want you to, as you take this in, think maybe from Joseph and Mary's perspective how odd this would have been. All right? After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east, traditionally wise men, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who, who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Talking about the good shepherd, of course, Christ Jesus. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Of course, Herod was lying and wanted to kill the child. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense, and myrrh. Some theologians have reflected the significance of those gifts, gold being the, the royalty of Christ, frankincense being the divinity of Christ, myrrh being the death that Jesus, Christ Jesus would face. 
And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So we've read the story. We've reflected on the story. I don't know, perhaps we miss when we celebrate the, the three wise men in the, in the manger how odd and strange that was. We actually know almost nothing about these magi. Right? They weren't Jews. How did they have the sacred texts of Scripture that would identify the Messiah and the King who was to come? We think that they, perhaps they were astrologers or even magicians. Some have said maybe they were from all different places, from, from Babylon and, and Turkey and Egypt or something like that, that, that God worked. And, and we, we know so little about these guys. And to be able to recognize a star and get the significance and want to collect wealth and go and worship this Christ to be born, why would God do that? Can you imagine, I imagine Joseph opening up the door. They knock on the door. Can you imagine their odd dress? Maybe they smell like camels because they've been traveling for so long. He's got these things. And Joseph is like, uh, hello. And they're like, yes, we, we saw the star. It's your child. Like, wouldn't have that been the strangest moment? I wonder if he was tempted to be like, you know, the, the child is sleeping. This isn't a good time, really, for the, yeah. We have gold for you. Oh, we'll wake the child up. Come on in. That'd be, that'd be great, right? That, this, can you imagine Joseph and Mary laying down in bed that night and going, well, that was weird. I, what just happened? Like these, these strangers from a weird place came and revealed can you imagine if Joseph and Mary said, no, 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 we, you guys are too different. We, this is weird. No. Right? Why would God do this? I mean, sometimes I think God likes to just show off. Right? But sometimes I would think in part that God does things in surprising th ways, in surprising people in ways that are unexpected for us to see and recognize. And again, if we're so busy judging people and looking at people and sizing up people, we might miss his work in the lives of others. I think also that, that he wanted to share the universality of the gospel that the gospel, of course, isn't just for the Jewish people or isn't just for you, whatever your skin color or culture is, but it's for all people, regardless of how, what their culture is, regardless of how they're living the gospel. And I think that he invites us to live our lives and respond to this universality, to respond that he is a God at work in strange ways in our lives, that we would walk around and recognize that I don't know who God is at work, but they might not look like me. They might not believe like me. And yet that does not hold back the Holy Spirit from penetrating 
inviting, even wooing. I want to encourage this morning that one of the responses to this story of the Magi would be seeking to see God's work in unexpected places and people. And, and be able to, and willing to, to join him in that work. Again, another story from InterVarsity. There was a, a college campus and these students were seeing a surprising amount of evangelism at work on their campus. So we asked them, as staff workers, what are you doing? What are you doing to communicate the gospel and all that? And they said, well, we had a starting point. This is our starting point. We were praying, and one time we asked this question. Who is the farthest person on our campus? It was a smaller college. That a person that's farthest from God. It was, a, it was a party campus, and there was this one guy that was brought to mind, and he was like the biggest partier on campus. And they said, what would it look like if we shared the gospel with him? Isn't that a neat question? And so they shared the gospel with this student who was the big part. He was known as the partier and wild and so forth. Guess what? He gave his life to Christ. And started a, a movement on their college campus. Who is that person, maybe, that's in your life? And you thought, well, they're really far from the Christian faith. Perhaps there's an invitation here within you. I was thinking biblically, who was the person that was farthest from the faith in the New Testament? You know who I thought of? I, I thought of the Apostle Paul when he was Saul. And he's actually persecuting the church. He has letters from the religious authorities to go to the different cities and persecute the church. And, and Jesus appears to him and, and puts scales on his eyes and he gives his life to Christ, right, on the way to Damascus. And then I, I really like the little story involving Ananias, who is a disciple. And the Lord says to Ananias, he says, hey, I want you to go to this guy named Saul. And Ananias goes, uh, in fact, let's read it really quick. It'll be on the screen, but verses 13, Lord Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. What if Ananias would have said, no, God, I'm too afraid? Who is that person in your life that the Lord is saying, you don't know the plans I have for him? 
You don't know the purposes. You don't know the ways I've been working. Ananias knew the whole story of being thrown off the horse and rode to Ananias. Jesus was sharing that with him and invites him to, who's that person? Maybe that person at work. Maybe he's a little aggressive towards your faith. And God is working. Maybe it's that, that neighbor that, boy, their lifestyle is completely different from yours. And yet the Lord is inviting you to go. Um, Ryan Johnson shared a story. I want to invite Ryan up. And Ryan shared a story. This was a number of months ago. Oh, yep. All right. Applause for Ryan. And uh, here you go, Ryan. You can use this. And he was sharing a story, a, a, a story on mission. That's Ryan's heart is, he's got a missionary's heart, yes, yeah, after and desire to share that. And so Ryan's committed um, to take some risks for the gospel. So Ryan, would you just share a little bit of that story that sure. led you to take some risks? Were you on here? Okay, cool. Yeah. Thanks for the applause to Sean. And wow, <laughs> it's great to like see people again. We've been in isolation. We just had our third kid. So we are, yeah, thanks. Yeah. But uh, we've been like trying to escape the RSV, trying to dodge that. So I like camo crawled in here and I'm going to camo crawl out. But we've had like the sheep's blood on the doorposts and like every night. And so anyways, but it's good to be with believers. We've really, we've really missed that. But anyways. Um, sure, yeah, there, so there's this story that I shared with you, and, um, and yeah, uh, so here's the story. It was, the, uh, uh, it was before the pandemic, and there's this, uh, this music and wine bar that Annalisa and I would go to each week here in town, and there was, uh, there was a girl there who um, worked behind the bar, and we would, every week, we'd see her, and so each week we would um, just ask her, Hey, share one one new thing about yourself that we don't know. And so we kind of got to know her that way. She'd share something. And then one week she started asking in return, like, well, tell me something about you we don't know. And so we'd share something. And then week after week, it, you know, it would get a little bit more and more vulnerable. And we started to develop a relationship that way. And so one night when we were leaving, uh, we went out the back alley you know, dark and late and everything. And she was out there and she caught us and she's like, hey, like Ryan and Lisa, I want to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. So um, she said, <clears throat> she opened up about this experience that she had where her sister had just recently almost died because she had almost overdosed on drugs. And um, she said that she had been processing about that and just about our city and darkness that's over our city. And she said that she wanted to start a coven that would be focused on trying to do like good in our city. And she wanted, and she asked if we would be a part of, if we'd be interested in joining it with her. And so we said, sure. Oh, I mean, you know, and then it was an it was like an awesome opportunity to share about uh, Jesus with her, and we just shared, you know, like we are, like you know, kind of like you did, like we just want to be upfront, like we're Jesus followers, but we see like a ton of overlap in what you're wanting to do, doing good in this city, uh, with what God has already been doing 
ever, for 2,000 years through the kingdom, through the coming of this kingdom of life and renewal and joy and restoration and justice and wholeness and beauty. Like that is something that God has already been doing through Jesus that is spreading across the whole world that we get to be a part of that Jesus invites us into through his sacrificial death and resurrection. Um, so like, yeah, ton of alignment there. Like we, we, we've been committing ourselves to this for, you know, for years. Sure. Yeah. Well, like we'll, we'll join your coven, but just know that that's where we're coming from. Like, does that like, and asked her, like, is that uncomfortable for you that like, would that still like, would that disqualify us? And she's like, she's like, no, no, that sounds great. Yeah. Come on. And so like, okay. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we went, we, we got texted the address and time and place of this thing, and we had no idea what to expect. We'd never been a part of a coven before. So we, go, so we, uh, we show up at this, this, like, way on the west side, this, like, this, like, really creepy house that we, like, went in, and it was late, and it was, like, dimly lit inside, and, like, weird artwork, like, everywhere, and... We're like, okay, I guess we're in the right house. And then she like comes out of the shadows, just like, oh, Ryan, and Lisa, you're the first ones here. I'm like, well, we're just on time. Like, should we not have been on time? And so like we're there, and like over the next half hour, like people start showing up. They're like kind of like more and more kind of just dark looking as they're coming in. Like some of them identify as witches, and like, okay, like we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, you're kind of like, anyways. So. Uh, we all get in. Just to reiterate, this is not for everyone, right? <laughs> you have your own unique mission field, right? But through discernment, Ryan and Annalisa, right, determined that that would be okay to be the light in that dark place, right? But it's not for everyone. You have to, like, discern. Uh -huh. what to all right, I just wanted to add that qualifier sure. there. Um, but anyways, long story short, she wound up after everybody was there, and there was just these, okay, I'm not even going to go away into it, but, um, so, um, anyways, yeah, so we, uh, we all get there, sit down, and she's like, so, I think after thinking about this some more, I don't think this is going to be a coven, and, like, everybody is like, oh, okay, and, like, I think some of people, like, some people didn't come back after that, uh, most people did, but, anyways, it was, it was, um, it was cool. I mean, we uh, it was it was really actually quite amazing, like how committed people were to like brainstorming the good that they could do in this city, and we were just able to like be the people of God in that place and just be authentic with like you know who we were and our motivation for doing it, and like we got to share ideas, got to share about Jesus in the midst of that too, and um, and then COVID wrecked everything, and we haven't been able to get a whole a hold of most of them, but anyways, it was a thing for a while, but. Can we thank Ryan for sharing that really? Thank you. Sure. Appreciate that. Yeah. Again, they were uniquely called for that particular circumstance, and you got to use gobs and gobs of wisdom and discernment of those places that you would enter, but the thing that I love about that story is, did you hear about Ryan's heart? to be a missionary, to even willing to be, and Annalisa, that unexpected missionary, that unexpected light in very unexpected places. And I love that they were real. They were honest. They weren't, 
They weren't hiding. They were upfront about the invitation about who they were and how they believe God is at work in this city and in this world and let her, the leader, decide if that fit. And she's like, uh, yeah. I wonder if her not making it a coven was in part by your guys' testimony of who you were and what you're doing and bringing good in there. Friends, I would say that that is part of the response that God wants for us. That we would be open that he's working in unexpected ways. Uh, When we did our uh, innkeeper's banquet, we talked about Cousin Eddie and the person you were really not looking forward to sitting around the Christmas table, right? Maybe God's working in the Cousin Eddie in your life in surprising ways. Maybe that that person that's a little bit, he agitates or she agitates you because of your faith. Maybe it's because the Spirit of God is at work. And rather than distancing ourselves from those people that annoy or that are different or that are odd and strange and unlike us. Maybe one of our responses could be, all right, Lord, would you help me join your work in this person's life? And by the way, I don't really like them at all, but help me love them. I think a, a second response, what I, I would say is sometimes in a unique way, we get to be on mission with those same strange people. In fact, you could see the, the Magi as this new family of God, these three were on mission together. Again, we don't know if they were from the same country. We don't, we don't know that. We don't know how God knit them together. But all of a sudden, they were on mission, right? They were on mission to find the Christ child, to follow the star, to worship the king in that way. And they, knit, they were knit together by God in that way. Did you know that God is on the same mission today that he was back then. Actually, you heard Ryan say it, right? He is restoring this world through Christ Jesus, his Messiah, through his love, his forgiveness, his kindness. It's that same mission. God is not done. He's not asking, well, now just celebrate what we did. You know, every Christmas celebrate. I can't. No, he's saying, he's actively at work in this world. Do you believe that? He's actively at work in your family members that are far from him. He's actively at work in your coworkers that are far from him from him. He is working. He desires and wills that no man would pass away. Revelation 11, 15. The kingdom of this world is the kingdom of the Lord and Messiah and he will reign forever and ever. That's the same mission he was at work in the first Christmas and he's on mission now. And will we allow ourselves to join with others on that mission. That's what our kingdom life communities are really about, right? It's about 
community. It's about sacred friendships, absolutely. It's about caring for one another. But it's also about, should be, how do we join God? How do we become a family that's on mission together? We're joining God and one another in this mission of the restoration of all things, that all people would hear the availability of the love of God. Can we join him in that? I was reminded of Saul again. So most of you know that story. After he gives his life to Christ, he, he, he's not immediately in a community of faith. He goes for three years and he's studying. He's in Tarsus. And later there's a church of Antioch that, uh, that uh, uh, Barnabas was a part of. And, and listen to this, Acts 11, 25 through 26. Barnabas is, is uh, part of the leader. He says, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Remember, he was that strange, he was kind of murderous in his heart. Ananias didn't want to go to him. And now, a couple chapters later, um, Barnabas goes and finds him out. Probably there was a risk. Probably his reputation was still questionable. But Barnabas takes a, a risk. So as he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Can you imagine if Ananias said no to God because of fear? Can you imagine if Barnabas said no to God and didn't follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit to bring Saul, now Paul, or becoming Paul, to be on mission with him and serve. I'm sure God would have figured it out. But Ananias and Barnabas wouldn't have been able to be a part of that. I was thinking back to a church plant and there's a... Uh, a small group of us, this was in California, and we, uh, they call it, you parachuted down in Chula Vista. We were in, up in Paramount, we parachuted down, just a couple of us trying to start a church down there, and, um, and there was this young man, college student, his name, Alan. He was Asian, and honestly, I can't remember for the life of me how he got hooked up with our church plant, our little church plant. I, he knew someone, or I, we do some outreach event. We connected with him, and Alan was there. And so he starts hanging out. It was neat. He became part of our Bible studies, and we're praying. And you could see Alan. He must have been, uh, I think, 20, something around there. And, and just the Lord just had his hand on Alan and drawing. He's growing and learning and shaping. And one day, he says, uh, Eric, I've got a group of friends that don't know Christ, but I, I don't have any idea of like how to like connect with them. If I brought them to you, could you tell them about Jesus? I said, sure, Alan, that'd be great. I said, well, I have a suggestion. Have you guys ever heard of uh, IBS's Investigative Bible Studies? That was it's an InterVarsity thing, right? I said, you know, I would love to do a little investigative Bible study. He's like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm like, great. It was like a threat, right? So a couple weeks later, I had this meeting, and all of his friends were, were girls. And uh, he brought, they were all college students. 
And we met for eight weeks, and we did an investigative Bible study. Um, again, they happen to be all Asian, four girls, Alan, myself. And we just walked through uh, the life of Jesus. And one by one, over the eight weeks, they gave their life to Christ. Right? Just Alan, this time it was a little different. Is Alan was stirred by the mission of God. And he wanted his closest friends in college, it was a community college, to hear the gospel. And so he joined God, even though he, he wasn't articulate, he didn't know how to share the, the truths of the faith or the invitation of Christ or lead someone or pray anyone, but he's like, I'm going to join the Father in that. And it was a beautiful work to see his friends give their lives to Christ. So friends, I think another invitation is who is that different person that unlikely person that you could join mission with. Maybe it's a, a person, a mission partner. I remember back when I was working in social work and there was this guy named Greg and he said, he was a Christian. He said, Eric, I think we should pray together for our office space. And I was like, okay, so Tuesday morning, early in the morning, we got together. Greg was a flaming Pentecostal, <laughs> right? And so we would pray, and I would sit in the chair like this, and I would pray my prayers. And Greg would pace back and forth, and he would be shouting the prayers in that way. And I was okay. He was an unlikely mission partner but we both cared for the people in our office space, right? Is there a person, is there a neighbor who's a Christian? Maybe they go to a different church, maybe they're different, but you guys could be on mission together in your neighborhood. Maybe there's a, a Christian at work and you could say, hey, I wonder if we would start praying. Is there that unlikely mission Partner, I believe that every Christmas is a unique season. We were just praying about that. That, that the, the whole world, regardless of where they are at in their faith, every Christmas, it's this unique opportunity where even the secular world thinks even a little bit about this baby who came to the world. And we talk about peace on earth and goodwill to men. We talk about the, the love of God. We talk about just a little bit of this window of every Christmas that's opened to us. I wonder this Christmas, Christmas 2022, how is God uniquely at work at perhaps unexpected people in your life? Are you going to say yes to joining him on mission? Or say, well, they're too different than me. Would you pray with me?